Kevin Hellestad is host of the Chord Progression Podcast, and he's joined The Antidote. Thanks for coming, man. Thanks for having me on, Dave. I really appreciate it. This is, this is quite exciting, if I must say so myself. <laughs> That's because you have nothing better to do. I plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> Kevin, I got to know something. You're used to being in charge. Is going for this role reversal on The Antidote going to mess with you? It's a little odd just because I'm always used to being in your position instead of on the one being interviewed side, but I'm always ready for anything. I'm always just open to whatever happens, happens. So I'm ready for the experience. I'm all ready to go. Well, I certainly know about how much time it takes to make a radio program, and it's no different at all for a podcast. So tell me the truth. Like, is it really worth your while doing it? Well, right now, when it comes down to it monetarily, you probably would look at my stuff and say, oh, no, it's not really worth your while doing it because of how much money I'm putting into it versus how much money I'm getting out of it. But it is absolutely worth it every step of the way because music is one of those things where I'm just always connected with it. I'm always the happiest whenever I'm listening to music, whenever I'm at these concerts, whenever I'm in the middle of the crowd, in the middle of these crazy shows, in the mosh pit. I just find so much positivity in there. And this is something that actually ended up pulling me out of the worst time in life was music, trying to do something creative with it. And it's helped foster so much positivity in my life, so many great relationships, not only with the bands I end up interviewing, but people I meet at shows and just, and not just here where I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but all mm -hmm. across the world as well. Cause I've been to shows in mostly the United States, but I've I've actually gone to a show out in Croatia before. So I meet people out there. I make friends all over the place. I've gone to multiple festivals in multiple parts of the country here in the United States, and I run into people that I haven't seen in years because we have just don't go to the same shows or we're always in different parts of the country. But mm -hmm. when we come there, we're at these shows. It's just like they recognize my face. They recognize my Milwaukee Brewers hat. I recognize their face. We might not remember each other's names, but it's just that positive. Hey, how's it going? This is incredible to see you back here. Let's have some fun. It's always worth it when you have that level of positivity flowing through your life every day. Now, I have to say something. I didn't really think it was possible, but you're probably more of a music geek than I am. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit, but again, it depends on what topic or what kind of style of music we're going after, because if someone's going to bring up jazz music, I'm going to be like, uh, that might not necessarily be my thing. But when it comes to diving deep into music, I might be more of a geek than you. I might not be. Who knows? We might just be on the exact same level. I totally hear what you're saying. Jazz and country, it's never going to happen on this show. I can't stand it. <laughs> okay, you and I agree on that one. <laughs> so I've seen a couple of your podcast videos. When did you actually start the podcast? I started the podcast, I think want to say it was end of February 2019. And my main reason for starting it was, I mean, kind of just a little bit of a backstory. So 2017, at the beginning of the 2017, I had just graduated from college. I literally had the world in front of me. And in the next six months, it felt like every premonition I ever had in my mind kind of came crashing down on me. I got a full-time job and I realized that working full-time and just kind of having that nine to five lifestyle in a corporate setting was never going to be for me. And the girl that I was dating at the time, we ended up breaking up and my life just went into a massive depression spiral trying to figure out mm. exactly where I wanted to go in life. 
but what was actually going to make me happy? What was actually going to be the thing I wanted to do? And why did I all of a sudden go from being so happy at the end of 2016 to so miserable six months later? And the one thing that kept me going through that time was listening to music. I was listening at that time a lot of older 30 Seconds to Mars, a lot of Skillet, and a lot of my favorite band, Rise Against. Mm-hmm. As time continued to grow, go on, I started to heal from it a little bit. I was trying to figure out exactly work-wise, where do I want to go with this? What do I actually want to do? And I got an idea to start to try and do something with music. So I started this whole entire thing online, just trying to create a community of people, get them to know more about new music and know more about the music I like, all that kind of stuff. And I decided to dabble in you know, YouTube videos, album reviews, that kind of stuff. But then I was listening to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk at the time, and he was always talking about start a podcast, start a podcast. And I thought, you know what, let's just give this a shot, see what happens. And through the first like 50 episodes or so, I mostly did, did them by myself. I did a couple of interviews. But then once I started just focusing in on interviews, that's where for me mentally, it just really took off where I wanted to make sure I could continue doing this, keep doing this and never stop it. You said you've been listening to Skillet. Why would you listen to Skillet? I don't really listen that much anymore, if at all. This was back in, again, 2017, and specifically it was their song, Not Gonna Die, which was just consistently pushing me through those super-duper dark times. The way that any of those strings, especially like the violins or the cellos, the way how they have it put together, how that intro comes in. Yeah, it just comes with such a bombastic force where it just was something that in my mind at the time I was so heavily related to where mm-hmm. just keep going, keep going, just don't stop that there is going to be that light at the end of the tunnel, even if you feel like there is nothing else going on, that you're just going to keep getting worse and worse. There is going to be a time where it's going to get better. Just keep driving forward, just keep going at it, just completely have faith that that's going to happen. I mean, I got I got down to some really, really dark times in that area of time, but continue to listen to music, continue to focus in on that. It helped find that moment in time where, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel did start to shine through. And I was no longer feeling like there was no hope, like there was hope somewhere. It was the like a song that just kept me feeling like hope was still there. I getcha. What I should say is that when I first started doing radio, I had the station manager tell me that you make radio for yourself and hopefully you'll find an audience. It really sounds like that's your story, too. That pretty much is my story. I recently did another podcast where the uh, host asked me if I ever actually got into college radio when I was in school. And Mm -hmm. I never, ever did because it just wasn't my interest. It wasn't my thing. And when all of a sudden it became the thing that I actually found uh, interest in podcasting and connecting with all these different artists, it was different. And trying to find that audience, it was, I want to do this thing for myself. I'm going to create all this for myself because... I listened to some other podcasts that were interviewing artists and they just weren't doing it in a way that I actually enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It was always the same question, straightforward, clear cut from so many of the ones I was listening to. Some of them aren't around anymore. There's like one or two that are still around because this was pre-pandemic. However, I wanted to create something where you could still get to know about the music, you could still get to know about the artist, but instead of getting to know about the artist in a very similar form of questioning, you're going to get to know about them personally, just feeling like if you were seeing a room with them, having a drink, having a casual conversation, and just enjoying their time. Kind of like if you're having a conversation with your favorite uncle of all time. <laughs> 
So long as they're into music. Yeah, so long as they're into music. I have to tell you that I was kind of surprised when I got your email wondering about being a guest on this show. You know, because I mean, I'm used to visiting with bands on The Antidote. But you told me that you wanted to talk with me about Christian metal. Why have a particular interest in Christian metal? And then again, why not even just speak to the bands themselves? Well, because I have spoken to bands themselves that are within Christian metal. However, when it came to Europe really speaking alongside that and really having a certain focus in, like you said, finding Christianity at a music festival, I've had conversations with people that are Christian metal or some that used to be Christian metal but have since gone more on the other aspect of it. Plus, with myself growing up, when I grew up, I went to Catholic grade school. I went to Catholic high school. I was confirmed the Catholic Church back in, I want to say, 2012. But since then, I've strayed away. It's just based on personal experience. However, mm-hmm. it's always incredible to have a conversation around with, especially, you know, someone that is much more heavily into their faith, someone who isn't, and having music as that connecting point and seeing where, you know, even when it comes to certain bands that have more of this Christian backing to them, how people mm-hmm. from people that are heavily within their faith and heavily within Christianity and people that aren't can still connect with that music every step of the way. Well, you've had a few of my favorites on the Chord Progression podcast. You know, guys like August Burns Red, Ignescent, Phineas, and Silent Planet. So all of them are either Christian bands or, you know, sometimes ones that have just have Christian members. Do you actually see a divide between Christian music and the mainstream market? I actually do, but when bands are much more heavily focused in on their faith and heavily present that versus not, where... Meaning the evangelical style. Yeah, yeah, because I'll use the bands like August Burns Red, Silent Planet specifically. When you think about the metal, metalcore world, it's when people think about them, and even in the mainstream think about them, it's always about the music that they create, the music that they produce, and that sound. So it's always a view of that, but when it's more of an evangelical style, similar to like what Skillet does, it's much more focused in on the faith itself in terms of the mainstream compared to the music. So there's a massive difference there in terms of how certain people in music see these bands. And a lot of it, again, is based off of what is the overall presentation of that faith, whether it's in your own music or whether it's more on the the press side or just the personal side of it. And I think Skillet might be that perfect example because when you think of Skillet, everyone knows that how heavily based within their Christian faith they are. Mm-hmm. So when you hear about them in the media, it's never at first goes to their music, it goes to their faith. You brought up Silent Planet. What do you think of their new album, Super Bloom? I actually really like their new album. I love the direction they went with it. It's a little bit, has more of that like electronic bass to it compared it to some of their other stuff. I kind of had a feeling they were going to go in that direction a little bit more because a lot of other bands are starting to experiment with that. Is it something where, is it the best Silent Planet album I've ever heard? I don't think it's their best, but that's, you know, Silent Planet always puts together incredible records, and I still think it's one of their better ones, and I like what they did, but my biggest concern, of course, always is going to be going forward. I hope they don't dive so much deeper into it and dive deeper into that electronic overproduced kind of feel at times to make Mm -hmm. it a little bit more of a pop-centric thing. However, again, that's going to be their music. It's going to be their style. I would rather have them continue to make music for what they want to do going forward versus making music that I exactly want to hear 
and then have them come out with one more album and then call it quits because their art is no longer a reflection of what they are, are feeling, what they believe, and how they want it to sound. Isn't this true of really all bands where it's easy to fall into a rut and you start duplicating what you've done before? It is easy to fall into a rut. I mean, I'm trying to get some bands where they've it's you listen to like an album after album after album and you just kind of feel the sameness over and over and over again so there is that feeling it's like for today yeah so you definitely need some sort of experimentation in there but it's always going to be you always have to be cautious with at the exact same time too because you could go so far beyond the like the spectrum of where your fans are expecting it to to where you're not capturing these new fans but you're also alienating your old fans it's a very thing where i always look at it as Kind of what Silent Planet did with their new album. Continue to experiment, but there's got to be something at the core of your music that makes people think, okay, that is them. Similar to, like, I'll use Bring Me the Horizon as an example. If you listen to any Bring Me the Horizon record, like from when they first started releasing Count Your Blessings all the way to where they are now, there's always going to be a different sound to it, and it's evolved over time. But there's something that's at the core of their sound when you listen to it where you know, okay, that's a Bring Me the Horizon song. You can listen to a song from Count Your Blessings and a song off of That's the Spirit, and there's going to be something embedded in there in your mind where you know that's Bring Me the Horizon. I totally understand that. In your email, one thing in particular you said you wanted to chat about was what you described as a, and I quote, rift between Christians and heavy metal and what can be done to bridge that divide. I want to hear your thoughts on that. What brought that out? So one thing that brought that out was I had a conversation. This was actually something that came off of the Silent Planet interview I did with Garrett Russell. When I interviewed him, I actually interviewed him while he was driving in his car. (laughs) And he was picking up a friend from the airport. And his friend that he picked up from the airport also has a band called Heliocentric. And he likes to describe himself not only as the proud knockoff of Silent Planet, but as (laughs) a former street preacher turned atheist who now like speaks about a lot of stuff. So being able to talk with him about this concept of, okay, when we think about Christian, we think about we think about Christian faith and we think about heavy metal, like in terms of just any stereotypical culture. There's always a divide where, I mean, I've had this happen too when I've been, when I was in school, when I was in church and anytime I brought up the music I would listen to, it was like, okay, now can't listen to that, no more of that. And it always kind of really freaked me out as to, okay, why is that? Why is there this perception that metal is always going to be negatively impacting the view when it comes to Christianity or vice versa? Why are these two groups kind of at odds and why is there this rift there? And then what can be done to mend that? And of course, I know that's not going to be something that's going to be fully mendable, but where an understanding can come from where when metalheads hear about Christianity and they hear about, you know, Christians potentially speaking out against it, similar to what happened back, you know, in the 80s when you had Ozzy Osbourne, the Prince of Darkness, and it was always looked at as potentially satanic devil worshiping. And now there's this huge divide just being presented there. Why was that being viewed as that? And then on the flip side, you know, when it comes to metal music and heavy metal or metalcore, whatever it might be, there are bands here that are very Christian, that have these Christian beliefs in there and sing about them and put them in their music. Not Mm -hmm. all bands are going to be, you know, biting heads off the bats or looking like going up on stage, looking like Guar every single night. So (laughs) there's going to be some connection there that's bringing that positivity and bringing that message that Christians that absolutely have their foundation of faith in. 
So why is that rift there? What can we do to make sure that rift is sort of mended? So again, Christians understand why heavy metal fans love that kind of music, especially if it's Christian metal. At the exact same time, why sometimes Christians think that metal is not necessarily fully within their belief system or within what they feel is you know, connected to their faith and understand that so then we can have this dialogue go back and forth and then we can create a much better world off of it. You know, I really don't see much of that, even though I have had some Christians say that all metal comes from the devil. I even had one person at our church who told me that point blank. Now, obviously, I don't agree with them, and I even tried giving them a few examples of metal songs that focused on Christ. But they really weren't even interested in hearing about it. And I guess the thing is, is that I don't get that from many people that follow the antidote, because if they're tuning into the show, they're going to have to be interested in hearing metal. Yeah, you're, you're kind of right on that. If, it seems like especially when we speak about this with people that like this music, of course that riff's not going to be there because that understanding is there. But I still remember when I was in school too, when I was in like 7th and 8th grade at that time, the band I was listening to the most was Disturbed. And when I was in 8th grade, my theology teacher, let's say she was not a fan of that in the slightest. <laughs> and it was, it was, and I'm listening to songs like Inside the Fire, which is about uh, suicide and like how that affects people. Or listening mm-hmm. to um, Indestructible, which had more of this, you know, kind of confidence building feel to it. But at the same time, it's okay, you know, just because they're the low, like their mascot is the guy and the guy looks like a little bit more evil and on fire. It's not necessarily that they're going to, you know, be that way, especially because David Draymond is heavily uh, invested in within his Jewish faith as well. So there's going to mm-hmm. be some sort of connection there. And it was always crazy to see that I was always being pressured to listen to so many other things that they deemed as acceptable. And it was because they just didn't like the fact that the way Disturbed looked or the way they the way their music sounded, despite the fact that they never spoke anything against Christianity or the Christian faith. You really wonder what they would have thought about Disturbed's cover of Simon and Garfunkel, The Sound of Silence. I would be incredibly interested to hear what they would think about that. And it's not just if they were to hear it and know it's a Disturbed song. I would love for people to hear it and not know that that's Disturbed. Because just the powerful voice that Damon Draven has, it's insanity. It's It sounds like that song should have been sung by Disturbed all along over Simon and Garfunkel. But again, that's coming from someone who liked Disturbed when I was in middle school. And when I first heard that Disturbed version, I was 20 years old. And it much more fits in with more of this grander, epic, cinematic feel that at times I tend to go for over what Simon and Garfunkel did. Nothing against Simon and Garfunkel for making an incredible song, but there are some times when I hear covers where I think, I like that a lot more than the original, but that's just based on personal taste. And it does happen with bands. Who was it? Tears for Fears with the one cover Gary Jules did. Tears for Fears said, that's better than our version. And in the similar realm, too, it was like uh, Nine Inch Nails with Hurt. I mean, they created that song and people were into it. And then Johnny Cash covered it. And they just kind of, Trent Reznor basically threw his hands up and said, yeah, that's Johnny Cash's song. Now I couldn't do it as good as he did. And it's true. Wasn't that the most successful song for Johnny Cash? It was, yeah. And that was right before he passed away. Yeah, it was like the last song he ever recorded and ever released was his most successful. And it was a cover. But it was so well done. That was the key, though. It was just the way the lyrics are, the way it was accompanied, especially the way uh, Johnny Cash was able to rearrange it. 
but his voice as being as elderly as he was at the time, having it feel so just broken, worn down with those lyrics, mm-hmm. there is there is no better way that it could have been done. And it was it's incredible that we still have that today, that we still have that feeling of when we think of Johnny Cash, we can think of everything that he did back when he was still the man in black. But my God, that cover still stands the test of time and it forever will. If you want to get into covers, here's an obscure one. A Christian punk band called One Bad Pig did a cover of Man in Black, and Johnny Cash came in to record the song with them. Really? That's a bizarre one. That is a bizarre one. I never would have guessed that, but I got to go check that out right after we're done with this. There is one radio station that airs the antidote that really hates metal. Any episode that I'll send to them that's based on metal they won't air it. And their station manager said that his audience are offended by metal. Personally, I think that's strange. Then again, he and I, I guess, have a totally different mindset. That's why I'm impressed by the Chord Progression podcast, because you aren't offended by Christian content. No, I'm not offended by Christian content at all. I actually tend to welcome it whenever I get it to come across my way. Similar whenever I get bands from like Tooth and Nail Records, it's if I get pitched them, I usually will bring them on. And my biggest reasoning for that is because this always goes back to a time when I was I was a junior in high school and we had this class that we were uh, required to take called Morality and Ethics. Mm-hmm. And the person I was teaching the class was a, a school sister from the, one of the Franciscan sisters. So I was like, okay, we're, we're going to get something that's going to be much more rigid. We're going to get something that's going to be much more by the book, by the Christian faith, you know, whatever the word is, basically. Mm-hmm. And when we had these conversations, we had these three classes where it was, we're going to present a topic, and if you feel, whatever way you feel on this topic, you have to go on the side of the room, and then you're going to debate about that topic. And one of my biggest concerns during that time was, if I was ever on the other side of then my teacher, who was the school sister, and we would start going back and forth, I would try and bring up a point, and then I would get immediately shut down, and I would never get an explanation of why that is. It was always just believe this is what the Bible says. This is what the, this is what Christianity believes. This is what Catholics believe. This is what you have to go for. And if I ever asked the question why, I would always get shut down. Mm-hmm. So when it came to the podcast and bringing Christian bands on or bringing bands that have a very heavy Christian affiliation to them, I always welcomed it because I love that type of conversation. I want to get to know more about what you think, what you believe, how you feel, how it relates to your music as well, so that it further expands my view of the world, expands my knowledge, it can expand the knowledge of everybody else, and we can get this further understanding of where your music comes from, how you feel about all of this, and we can get that healthy back-and-forth debate going and back-and-forth conversation when, especially in a world today, in the media today, where it's either you're one way or the other, and if you're not this way, you have to dislike the other way. No, I want to have that back-and-forth conversation. I want to create those moments because there's certain positivities that I've gotten from the podcast from bands that are heavily within their Christianity and have brought that up with certain concepts that I really hadn't even thought about. It was something that... I just still really love to get into. I love that type of conversation. I really think that the big issue with some Christians is that they really just can't think outside the box. Because so many of them want to have what I refer to as safe music, which for me is a curse word. You know, it's the kind of stuff that talks about living on the mountaintop all the time. They pretend that they never go through hard times. But that's the thing about the Christian metal bands is because they don't actually mind sharing about tough situations. 
Yeah, I, I really understand that, too, where you're coming from, and you're right on that. There's someone that I always work out with every single Saturday morning, very heavy into his Christian faith, uh, is definitely a born-again Christian. When I when you asked me, like, okay, you know, hey, you know, have a conversation during the gym, and I pull out my earbuds, he's like, I don't want to know what you're listening to, because his view of this, if his music is not praising God, not doesn't have that, you know, living on the mountaintop feel, he doesn't want to hear it. And that was even when I was listening to Skillet in the gym. Now, today, oh today it was much different. I was listening to uh, Beartooth primarily, mm-hmm. and especially listening to Beartooth's newest album. It definitely has more of this positivity behind life, living life from where Caleb Shomo used to be, you know, battling alcoholism, battling depression, and now having this more fresh outlook. It's something that just absolutely connects. And it's really weird when people just kind of, especially Christians, are against that just because sonically it doesn't sound as safe as they want it to. But this is something I actually want to ask you about because mm-hmm. uh, when I was talking with Jared from Heliocentric, which really kind of sparked my interest in the antidote as well, one thing that we brought up was this feeling of, like what you said, safe music, but this feeling of protecting what they, like have this protectionism of belief and in the faith because when you hear this heavier sound and you've always associated it with potentially something that's more demonic or something that's more anti-Christian and the popular images of it, especially with heavy metal, again, I always am going to bring up Ozzy Osbourne biting the head off the bat and his moniker as the Prince of Darkness. It's that imagery and the symbolism that is seen behind that that really forces people that are much heavier in their Christian faith and like that more safe music to push away from that because they want to protect their viewpoint of it from that imagery and from that potential influence. So I want to know, what even do you think on that as well? They often like to pretend that none of that music actually even exists and that people really do enjoy it. And again, this is not being able to work their way out of the box that they've built around themselves. Well, I mean, even Black Sabbath, they had the one song that was so overtly Christian. It was really surprising. Well, even bands like Queen did the one song called Jesus on their debut album. You know, so I think a lot of people just can't really distance themselves a little bit and try to think about it in a fresh light. Interesting. I I do understand that, too. It's especially because I'll even think about it from like my parents' standpoint, or even when my grandparents were around, because my grandparents were much, much heavier in a Christian and much, much heavier into the faith as well, where life kind of revolved a lot around that. And Mm -hmm. I mean, as time went on, when they started finding out the music that I was listening to, it was like, oh, um, kid, we still love you, but just don't bring any of that music around here. (laughs) Well, I could see a lot of grandparents might be offended by this stuff. It's the volume, it's the noise, it's the screaming vocals, and they just can't stand it. My wife is the same way. She can't stand the music that I enjoy. Oh, I, I kind of understand that too, because even if I'm around, like, even sometimes I'm around friends, it's I will definitely refrain from being the one that starts putting on music, or basically what they would always say, take the aux chord, because not many of them that I would always hang out with on a consistent basis were into the kind of music I was. Heck, when I was in college, it was one time we were throwing a party and the rule was do not let Kevin have the aux cord because they did not <laughs> want to know what I was going to put on. And this isn't one. This was at a time when I really wasn't into metal all that much. I was much more into punk rock. So they didn't even want to hear anything like that. They just wanted to hear whatever was popular back in 2015. Well, I was wanting to play stuff like, I was like, I want to play Rise Against. I want to play some Hollywood Undead. I want to play potentially some Anti-Flag. And they're just like, no, 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 no. Stay away, Kevin. Stay away. We don't want to scare people. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I still did it, though. You sound like me. I mean, I like a really diverse blend of music. You know, so bands that will actually bring in multiple styles into a song, I think it's just fabulous. But not everybody thinks that way. And that's also the part of the beauty of music, though, because music is subjective. Music is something where you listen to it and it all depends upon how it connects with you, how it makes you feel. Where I know I know fans, I know bands, and I know people where the music they like is very straightforward. It's very more cut and dry. It has this consistent feel to it. And that's fine because that's what they connect with. Myself, I will still do like YouTube reactions every single week to, to add to the podcast and add to the viewer count and just add to the subscriber count to get more people into it, add a little bit more of a you know flair to it at the same time. But what I love to go into is I want to find songs that are manic. I want to find songs that are wild. I want to find bands that are infusing all these different crazy styles in there. And I, that's why I love diving into like Japanese metal because – they're infusing, you know, they got the metal style, they are metalcore, but then they also infuse J-pop in there. They infuse like hyperpop, cyberpunk in there at times. And it can get so over the top and wild where you're just on this incredible roller coaster and the adrenaline just doesn't stop. And I absolutely love every bit of that because that's something that I absolutely connect with and brings so much positivity to me. That might mm -hmm. not happen to many other people or, you know, more of a mainstream audience. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Because there's going to be music they connect with that's going to make them feel the exact same way that I would listen to and think, how are you getting down with this? I don't understand it. But that's just, again, the beauty of music. But you're making it sound as if the music always needs to dominate over top of the lyrics. See, this is actually an interesting point where from the songs that I connect with the absolute best, it's where the instrumentals and the lyrics go so well hand in hand with each other where the instrumentals are the thing that are driving that feeling, are driving that emotion, that are driving that just embedded feeling within you, where you know exactly where the emotion is going from this song through the, basically the storytelling of it. And the lyrics are that guide that amplify that and allow you to take that emotion, put it in your brain, and essentially play this like movie that allows you to relate to the music from your own personal experiences in your head. And I think a perfect song for that was um, the band Polaris from Australia. Their song Above My Head off their 2020 album, The Death of Me. It's mm -hmm. something where I listened to that. If you took out the lyrics for it, it would be such a powerful song. But you add the lyrics into it. It was something that absolutely made me reflect on all the times from my life from 2017 through middle of 2018 when everything just fell apart. And I was trying to put the pieces back together and it felt like it got to be so bad at times where, you know, I wasn't above my head just trying to get out of it. And when something like that happens and you have a song like that where the lyrics and the instrumentals are perfectly guiding you through this emotion and allowing mm -hmm. you to absolutely relive some of this stuff and realize how much of an impact these certain events had on your life, it is something that just is beyond incredible. But personally for me then, if I had to pick between if it's instrumentals that would be rather dominate or the uh, lyrics, I'm more on the instrumental side of it just because I love the way that it can just drive you and just guide you through that emotion and amp you up and really get that emotion, whatever it is, going. Whether it's over the top, whether it's aggressive, whether it's something that's just going to get that adrenaline pumping, whether it's drawn back, whether it's sad and it's going to make you remember something that absolutely, you know, potentially gives you pain, but in a positive way where you're remembering a, a loved one, you're remembering something that happened that you, you know, the past where, hey, this time is no longer here anymore, 
but because I went through that time, I'm much better off. It's I like the instrumentals and how they flow more than what the lyrics do, but when you have both hand-in-hand hand with each other, it can create an absolute behemoth of a song. So really, music was healing for you? Oh, 100% music was healing for me. There's no doubt about it. So you've had some of these Christian bands on your show. Has there been any in particular that really made a big impact on you? Ooh. Out of any of the ones that made a bigger impact on me, it would be this band called The Protest. They're from Indiana, mm-hmm. and I've had them on a couple of times, I want to say. I think maybe two or three. And the reason I found out about them was it was back in 2019 when I went to actually, it was a concert between, with uh, Under Oath, Skillet, and Breaking Benjamin. And at the time, uh, Jen Ledger, the drummer for Skillet, was off for a couple of shows because she was doing some stuff with her solo project. So mm-hmm. for the vocals, they had Lacey Sturm filling in, which was really cool. But oh, then yeah. on drums, they had this guy named Jareb from the protest. And that's how I found out about him. And being able to have certain conversations with them, it's in the band as well, being able to meet them in person a couple of times. It's again, it's kind of starting to see more of that still having bands that have that Christian faith outwardly forward facing and never hiding away from it. But at the exact same time, just when they're with people, you know, you know that on stage, they're going to have that out there. They're going to be presenting that because they're so heavily invested. And that's what they believe. They want to spread the word of God. They absolutely want to do that. And that's very respectable and very understandable. When I've had these conversations with them and just about whatever it is in life, it's like I'm talking with people. And if it comes up, it comes up. It's allowing these conversations, allowing these connections to really foster each other together and just continue to see the positive impact that they're having on so many people, whether it's people that are also heavily invested in their faith or people that aren't as heavily invested in faith as well. Another band that uh, they're no longer together, but it was three sisters from a band called Gold, Frankincense, and Myrrh or GFM. I know yeah. their lead singer, Madeline Rose, she's off doing solo stuff now and absolutely killing it. But it's when I always would talk with them, it was the exact same thing where it was, we would talk, we would have fun, we would have a blast. And during their shows, they were so very outwardly forward with their Christianity, but they were still able to connect so well with everybody from every aspect of life, whether you were heavily invested in your faith or not. It's bands like that when I'm able to connect with them in that capacity. It's something where, you know, when it comes to heavy music and Christianity coming together, those are the bands that I look at to think, hey, this is something that can still very well happen. GFM, man, you're getting into even some of the obscure Christian bands. <laughs> hey, when I when I started doing the podcast, I couldn't get some of the bigger artists. So I would have to start at like, you know, the absolute smallest artists I could. And GFM may have been like the ninth or 10th artist I ever interviewed. They're my second ever video interview too. So I never forget that. I still have this gray sweatshirt of theirs and I always call it my uh, festival sweatshirt because whenever I go to a music festival, it's like, oh, you know, if I'm camping out there or not, or if I'm in an Airbnb or a hotel, well, it's going to be a little colder later in the day. You're going to probably want to wear a sweatshirt. I always bring that one and I still wear it out to random places too, because heck, it's a nice sweatshirt and I still want to support the band. I still want to support the girls. So I'm going to keep doing it. It was hilarious when I interviewed GFM at a music fest because their dad came with us because we had to find a quieter spot to sit so we could talk. <laughs> and he came with us to supervise. And I'm sitting there thinking about myself. It's like, yeah, there's this creepy old guy that wants to talk to us. <laughs> it's like, dad, you should come. 
Yeah, I, I didn't have that happen to me because I think the time when I actually got to, well, one, it was at Rockfest in 2021 up in Kadat, Wisconsin, where they were playing like four sets in one day. And oh, going to actually meet them in person at the time, I was 26. So it was definitely a little different than you meeting them <laughs> potentially. But at the show, their guitarist CJ told me to come back for their third set. And I'm like, okay, I'll come back for the third set. Of course, I want to support you. But why mm-hmm. you tell me to come back for that one specifically? Well, if you remember, at the end of their shows, they'd always like to throw cupcakes into the crowd. <laughs> yep. The last song comes on. Their guitarist pulls me up on stage. I run to the back where their mom has this, like, 24 count of Walmart cupcakes with the most aggressive red and blue frosting on them. And they specifically, especially if it was going to be an outdoor festival, they wanted to pick the cupcakes that had the most aggressive, like looking frosting on them. Cause they knew it was going to be the heaviest diet. And it was going to stand out. And I'd seen them <laughs> in the previous, like the, the first set they did, it was, they would just toss them out to the crowd underhand. That's really not my style. So I started, of course, tossing some of the people in front because you know, they're in front. It's easier, but I want to <laughs> hit some people in the back. So I launched a few accidentally hit someone in the head with a cupcake and I may have accidentally like gotten some blue like food coloring dye on his hat <laughs> ended up finding him two days later at the festival because he's friends with someone I was with and was saying like oh I gotta find the guy that threw the cupcake at my head because he dyed my hat and my buddy just hit me in that arm he's like hey you hit this dude with a cupcake and I looked I said who'd I hit with the cupcake and then I just said hi to him and he's just like um did not know you were friends with that guy so we had a good conversation we had some fun with it all I can think of is just the joy of getting free food tossed to me. Especially a cupcake. Who's going to be mad about a cupcake? <laughs> so I don't know what you think. Have we actually solved any problems with this rift? I think potentially we have, but not fully. It's something where we've identified where potentially that rift is, and we've identified some of the ways where you know bands that are very heavily invested in their Christian faith it's when they connect with people outside of the show and how they connect with people in person is like one of the most important things when it comes to the Christian side of reaching heavy metal fans and connecting with them there. When it comes to metal bands kind of reaching Christians in that front, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot harder, but it's kind of might be the same concept too, where how do you connect with them on more of a personal level and potentially take, not necessarily take faith out of it, but not make faith the most important thing when it comes to trying to connect with them on that front. I agree 100%. Hey, you know, before we go, you have to give us your typical intro to the Chord Progression podcast. All right, you want me to go full for it then? Do it. All right. Yo, 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 What's going on, everybody? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know this is Kevin from the Chord Progression podcast. And today, we've got a very, very incredible episode for you as I am on The Antidote with Mr. Dave Hawkins. And let me tell you, we talk about some incredible stuff when it comes to Christianity, metal, and just everything in between. Plus, we named some obscure bands in there, too, that you might be like, I never even heard of them. But trust us, they're awesome. Are you guys ready? Let's go! (laughs) Yeah. Hilarious. Before I forget, what about telling everybody where to find Chord Progression Podcast? Oh, perfect. I mean, I usually do this at the end myself, too, so I'm glad you brought that up. 
When it comes to the Chord Progression Podcast, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook and Instagram are at Chord Progression Podcast. Twitter is at CP Pod Official. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Just search up Chord Progression Podcast. All the episodes are there in video form every single Tuesday and Thursday. We also do reactions every single Friday as well, so you get to know some of the more crazy music that's going on in the scene as well. But if you like podcasts and not the video form, you can also find the Corporate Rush Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Amazon. So trust me, I got you covered if you want to learn more about some of the best bands in the rock and metal scene and even some of those that are upcoming as well that you're going to want to know within the next five years. Kevin, you're awesome. <laughs> no, Dave, you're awesome. Thanks so much for this talk, man. No, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun today and... I know you said right at the beginning, you're like, yeah, you know, you'd had nothing better to do today. No, no, no. This was the better thing to do today. Trust me, my friend.